It doesn't look like Donovan Mitchell is being traded to the New York Knicks just yet. Does that help or hurt the Pelicans' future draft picks? I'll explain in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available right here on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday, and we got a lot to talk about. Donovan Mitchell news, and yes, that does it actually impact the New Orleans Pelicans. Plus, we got a GM survey from ESPN, and there's a lot of narratives out there, and it kind of tells you how important that is. So we'll take a look around the league and the impact some of those things, I think, have or ties they have to New Orleans in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts and thank you, of course, for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We've been covering everything you've wanted to know this offseason. Only slow down to three days a week instead of five. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. And, of course, leave a five-star review with a comment. You can do that on Spotify now. And, of course, comment, comment, comment down below on YouTube. So the Donovan Mitchell trade, which has felt kind of inevitable, I think, to the New York Knicks seems to be on ice for a little bit right now. It's probably not happening anytime soon because the New York Knicks just signed R.J. Barrett to an extension, creating a poison pill situation where basically, normally in an NBA trade, the salaries need to match for teams over the cap. In this case, it means the Knicks need to receive a certain amount of money and then the Jazz need to send out a certain amount of money and those numbers don't match anymore. They're different. It's very tough to try and find a trade that makes that work to satisfy those criteria. And so it likely means that a trade right now between just those two teams isn't going to happen. You would need a third team. You almost absolutely need a third team to make this work. Guys with poison pill deals can get traded. It's happened like once before. So it's not very common. So you do need a third team to get involved in this. This is where the Pelicans get impacted because the third team would most likely be the Los Angeles Lakers. So this does a couple of things and it's going to potentially impact the Pelicans' future draft picks. So if the Lakers get involved and it's more likely they get involved right now than it has been before, is that good or bad for New Orleans? And I'll be honest, it could go either way. It could be great for New Orleans, or this could go poorly for New Orleans. With the Knicks now having this poison pill deal for Donovan Mitchell, this really puts a guy like Evan Fournier in play. He's going to need to go to another team in this trade. The Jazz certainly don't want him. Would the Lakers be willing to take on Evan Fournier? Would they be willing to trade another future first-round pick to try and get a guy like that? And if they do, because they're desperate, right? And they are desperate. Is that a player that is actually going to make the Lakers better? And I'm not sure if he does, right? If they mortgage their future even more for him, 
a guy like Evan Fournier, who could shoot a little bit, yeah, but I don't know if he necessarily translates to winning a ton, that makes their future outlook even worse. Does that then make LeBron more likely to leave after this season or force a trade? Again, he's basically on one, he's there for two more years, this season and next year, and then after that, it's a player option. Well, the Pelicans still hold picks from the Los Angeles Lakers. They have that 2024 first round pick that they can then defer to 2025. If it seems like LeBron is going to be gone in 2025 because the Lakers have no more ways of improving their roster because they spent that stuff, those future picks, you know, 2027, I think is what it is, 2029, something like that. Well, could he bolt? And then how valuable does that Lakers 2025 first round pick become? It could be pretty valuable, right? Maybe he just sees the writing on the wall right now and just goes, nah, I'm out and forces a trade. So it makes the 2024 first round pick potentially valuable. But you're looking at that one being deferred to 2025. That could be an insanely high pick. I still think this one coming, they have the right to swap picks with the Lakers in, after this season, 2023. So they'll get the better of the two. Still could be really good. But that team without LeBron, and look, I don't even mean this as a knock on Anthony Davis because we're, we're petter or bitty or, or petter or bitty. That just combined petty and bitter into one word. Um, you know, how do you feel about Anthony Davis leading a really crappy Lakers team? Probably not going to go very well, right? So that 2025 pick without LeBron potentially there could be incredibly valuable. And what the Lakers do this offseason really might impact that. Where this maybe would be a bad thing for New Orleans hinges on maybe that 2023 swap after this season. If they manage to move Russell Westbrook, that probably is going to hurt the Pelicans actually, right? I don't think he's going to be particularly good for the Lakers. Might be good on other teams, but not the Lakers with the way they're really constructed. And the way they're talking about using him is as a defensive stopper that shoots corner threes. Because that, that is the player that we've known Russell Westbrook to be. You can hear the sarcasm dripping on my voice with this. If he stays on the Lakers, and one, they use him suboptimally, and two, he just isn't going to help them win, that pick swap this year, I already did a show on it, right? We did this about a month ago. That could be, that could be a top five pick, I think. That's how bad the Lakers could be. The potential for an implosion there is incredibly high this coming season. A little bit of injuries and Russell Westbrook just stinking up the joint again. That could make that pick worth so much. Now, Russell Westbrook is an expiring deal. So he's likely not going to hurt the Lakers beyond this season. But if he makes them bad this year, you can get a, a, the, the top overall pick, I think, potentially. Not a bad thing. But if they manage to move him, and I do think the Jazz wouldn't mind taking him on for, say, two future first-round picks just to absorb that deal, clear some space, or do something for the Lakers. Well, that's the case. I don't think that that makes them better. And then it impacts that swap because they won't be as bad. And maybe the, maybe they're better than the Pelicans, though I don't think so. But you never know. It's LeBron. Those sorts of things. You basically can sum this up as we want the Lakers to keep Russell Westbrook. And we want them to be bad two years from now. And Evan Fournier likely going to make them bad in sort of that kind of time frame. Only a good thing for the Pelicans there. Don't want to see him move Russell Westbrook this offseason, though I don't know if it'll actually matter that much, depending on what they could get back now that Kyrie is really off the table. 
But the Donovan Mitchell kind of holdup, meaning that a third team is going to have to get involved in that deal, and I do think the Lakers are the most likely third team there, going to have some sort of impact on the Pelicans' future draft compensation. So coming up next, let's talk about the GM survey. I want to look at the Dallas Mavericks. This tells you how important um, narratives are. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. So find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games betonline.net is your continued source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and scores you want to get in on the futures for donovan mitchell you can do that will kevin durant remain a net after the trade deadline that's also a question on the gm survey you can get in on it there they got everything mlb mma boxing golf whatever it might be so head to the website today you can also get there on your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action over at betonline.net betonline where the game starts Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about the Pels. Completely free. Did I mention that? And here, reliably, anytime you need us, we're covering all the biggest topics. Now for your second listen, a kind of a big trade for the Saints. They're covering it over. Ross Jackson is covering it over at the Locked On Saints podcast. He's there Monday through Friday as well, completely free. Dude's a star in the making, has some of the best coverage I've seen, listened to, all of that. Make sure Locked on Saints is your second listen. You're well covered here in Louisiana if you're a fan of the Pelicans or the Saints. So let's take a look at the GM survey. There was something that I thought was kind of interesting in this, and it had to do with Luka Doncic with the Dallas Mavericks, divisional rival of the Pelicans. They're, the second question in there is, who will be the best player in the NBA in five years? Giannis won with seven votes. They had 15 votes total here. Luka Doncic was second with six, six votes, almost tying Giannis there, right? Doncic, who's at 23, he's been a three-time All-NBA first-team selection, right? He's pretty close in there. Then the next question is, who will be MVP this season? Luka is second. Again, behind Giannis. Giannis with five votes, Luka with four, Embiid with four, Curry with one, and John Morant with one. What makes this so interesting to me of league executives, scouts, coaches, whatever they might be, 15 people tied to the league, and they're not voting on this, right? But this kind of sets the narrative early on, I think, is that Luka's thought of very highly, yet his team also kind of ran away with who had the worst off season. Who had the worst offseason is one of the questions there. And the Dallas Mavericks won it with six votes while the Charlotte Hornets were next closest with three. So they doubled the second place. They had the worst offseason, yet they're still predicting Luka to be MVP, right? I think you're going to see a narrative around him kind of come up that is, well, the Mavs have taken a step back, letting Jalen Brunson go to the Knicks, getting nothing in return. And then Luka's had to carry them and drag them further, right? You know, somehow being on a team that isn't actually all that good can somehow help you win MVP and things like that, which, yeah, fair if you make them okay. But you look at the Denver Nuggets who were sixth last year in the NBA, and Jokic still won MVP due to a similar kind of situation. One, he's deserving, like absolutely was deserving, Jokic was. But with no Jamal Murray there, it looks like he kind of dragged that team forward. Given that the Pelicans have 
Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, right? I wonder if that's going to hurt them in award voting at the end of the season. Are these guys going to be in any consideration for any of the major awards? Maybe Zion could get in the running for most improved, but it feels like because there's enough talent here, people will eventually expect the Pelicans to be good, even if the over-under isn't set particularly high for them. And so it means that you won't see in the MVP conversation Zion or Brandon Ingram or to a lesser extent, CJ McCollum or anything like that. And I think it's a little bit... I don't know if it's unfair is the right word, but kind of these are why those narratives are important, right? You can already see the one framing around Luca. He's dragging this Mavs team that lost their second best player. Even if like that's replaceable and they brought in a guy like Christian Wood, who I think could actually do really well for them, even though if I'm not, not sure if his stats translate to winning. So, You see these narratives start to develop when you get surveys like this. And I'm going to be curious to see how this mirrors and mimics the NBA GM survey that comes out on NBA.com. This is from ESPN, kind of just doing a straw poll around the league. But Luka, people think, is really going to drag that team. Are they better or worse than New Orleans? We kind of looked at how they matched up with the division a couple weeks ago. And I said, you know, you could easily make the argument they're better top to bottom, I think, than the Dallas Mavericks are. But Luka team seems to pull them a lot. And I think because the Pelicans don't have that kind of narrative around them, it might end up hurting their guys, our guys, for the individual awards. Because there's very, very clearly a narrative developing around Luka Doncic that I don't think is going to be here in New Orleans, which might be a good thing, right? It's nice to hear that a star player isn't going to just drag a crappy team to a decent enough finish in the Western Conference. That means then you're actually kind of good and we're expected to be good and you're living up to those expectations. So if that's how it plays out, I probably won't be that upset, all things considered. All right, coming up next, I do want to take a look at the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors in this. Because did the Pelicans expose something? And I think they're wrong on this one. Let's get into that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2020. Or 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So in the GM survey, um, GM survey, League Insider Survey, League personnel survey, whatever you want to call it. They looked at, you know, who could win the West, who could win the East, and who are the champs, right? East goes how you expect. Basically, it's a split vote between the Bucks and the Celtics with one token vote for the Miami Heat. Cool with that. For the West, the Clippers ran away with this. Eight votes for the Clippers, three for the Phoenix Suns, three for the Golden State Warriors, and one for the Denver Nuggets. We'll get back to that in a sec here. NBA champs, Clippers with five, Bucks with four, Celtics with four, Warriors with two. But I want to look at the West. One, the Clippers running away with the vote, right? More than everyone else combined is genuinely surprising to me. Kawhi Leonard really gets a big benefit of the doubt. It may be deservedly so because that's what that is, right? You didn't get one vote for the Philadelphia 76ers in the East. 
They're not giving a benefit of the doubt to James Harden or Joel Embiid, but Kawhi, who's won two uh, two titles, been finals MVP twice, seems to have earned that to a certain degree, which, yeah, okay, that's fair. What I think is kind of weird is the the sleepiness on maybe the Golden State Warriors. And the host of Lockdown Warriors, who's in a unabashed homer, Cyrus, and I love him for that, was like, this is just huge disrespect. This is a slap in the face on our Lockdown group chat um, and couldn't believe it. You know, part of it is it's just tough to repeat in the NBA. Definitely that. And, you know, again, the Clippers are going to, in theory, be healthy, even though there's always something with them. So I don't know if they truly will, but they get a benefit of that there. What I find kind of surprising is the Phoenix Suns tying with the Golden State Warriors for second, right? Like the Warriors are the second favorite here. That is not a slap in the face. That is not anything like that. But should the Suns really be that high? Given what you saw from them in the first round series against the New Orleans Pelicans, and they missed Devin Booker for some of those games. But we saw what happened to them in the next round where they imploded, just terrible, against the Dallas Mavericks. Tying them with the Golden State Warriors, given they have not had some of the postseason success other than that finals run two years ago. But they really flamed out kind of hard last year. Chris Paul is getting a little bit <clears throat> older. We've seen some flaws in their roster construction, things like that, um, with what they're capable of doing. I just think that's a little bit crazy. I think that's because partially that tough battle with the Pelicans in the first round. Six games. That was a tough, tough battle. And the Pelicans, had things broken a little bit differently, could have won that series. Legitimately could have won that series. So... I think, in a sense, the Pelicans exposed the Phoenix Suns to a certain degree. And I'm genuinely shocked at seeing the Suns tying for second to win the Western Conference. I think it should be the Golden State Warriors. Do you think there should be any other teams listed in there? Should the uh, 76ers gotten a vote? I would have at least thought they would have gotten a vote over the Miami Heat, who I don't really believe in. But also no real love for the Pelicans anywhere in this GM survey whatsoever, too. Which I think is fine. Fly under the radar. I think that's a good thing. Maybe use that as some bulletin board material. All those, you, you, know, you know, it's like uh, Nick Saban, the rat poison, right? Like, no, nah, just kind of use it to give you a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, a little bit of an edge because you feel disrespected. I think that's a good thing here. And these are only 10 questions and it's not that deep. We'll say, though, when it came to most surprising move and worst offseason, the Lakers got a vote for worst offseason because they just stood pat and didn't make a move. And on one of the questions, what was the most surprising move of the offseason? Rudy Gobert of Minnesota ran away with it. Russell Westbrook still being a Laker with one vote. It's back to what we were talking about in that first segment. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing for the Lakers. Probably more of a bad thing, and that's going to impact Pelicans' future draft compensation because of what they still have owed to them from the Anthony Davis trade. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all on Friday.